And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on? Well, I normally don't timestamp things because I know this is not going to come out on the same day that this happened, but I'm celebrating the 2 millionth download of Startup Hustle. How about that? Right on target. Yeah, to- totally. I, of all <laughs> things, I, I couldn't believe that three and a half years ago when we sat down to determine our goals, to discuss who our target users and listeners were, and we literally said, I mean, it was like the Oracle had figured it out, August 27th, 2021. The day we do an episode about a, our target audience, we hit 2 million. That was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we probably, well, we didn't probably, we did statistically hit 2 million before today, but I I trimmed the number down um, to guarantee a, a, a higher level of accuracy. Anyway, for those of you that have been listening, thanks. I mean, really like I just, I'm so humbled and it's just, we continue to get people that reach out and, uh, they've been joining us in the startup hustle, Facebook chat and having lively and entertaining conversations like Charles, Howe, the 69 year old tech entrepreneur who said, who thanked us for being his digital guide. Um, and that stuff, it means a lot to us. For those of you that have been following uh, Matt and I's series about how to start a tech company, we're going to, this is episode 30. Um, and today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. That's a business that Matt and I own together. And we work with all different kinds of companies to help them solve the problem related to the talent shortage of IT and programming help. Matt, I just saw a thing. There's 350,000 open tech jobs in the United States. So Dude, wow. I think there are like 10 million open jobs in the United States because literally every single place I go, they don't have people yeah. to work. Like I don't know. I know. I'm at Starbucks today and they're like, they're like, yeah, we need to hire three people. And then they start trying to hire me. Like I'm there to buy coffee and they're trying yeah. to hire me to work at Starbucks. They're, she's like, it's great. You, this is the greatest part. Did you talk it ever. out? Yeah, I was going to say, did you talk <laughs> it out? Like, yeah, see what's up. Yeah, I got an interview tomorrow. Ah, yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> uh, by the way, whenever your interview is on a Saturday morning, it, you might that could be a red flag. So anyway, back to what we're talking about today, Matt. You know, we've, we've, uh, we've made it through the series. We're at the 30th piece here. We've been launching products and we're talking about how to get things to market faster. And, you know, some of the things that occur along the way of any of this process is... You've heard me say you kind of rage, rest, and repeat, but there's there's some there's some space in between for refinement and understanding like who you're talking to, where things are effective, what what's a priority, what isn't, and some of that does revolve around trying to understand like who your actual users are. We've talked a little bit about this in the episodes that are prior to this, as well as other episodes we've recorded. 
Um, but a lot of people get this wrong. I think it's the death to a lot of companies of trying to do too many things for too many people and they never end up being good for anybody. And I think it's a really yeah. common mistake. Well, and I've heard you say before when we were talking about sometimes our own products, meaning stack five gigabook, full scale or whatever. And sometimes you know, you're the first person that I that comes to mind to hear you say, well, it's just not what it was built for. Right? right. But this is the same kind of thing with target users. So do you think when it comes to identifying your target users, that's the first step? Like, it's like, who is this built for? Or who are we building it for? Are they one and it, the same? Or are they completely different? Well, you got to understand the market you're going for too, right? Like what, you know, I built a product and I potentially could use it in, in maybe this specific industry or this industry or for this persona or role or job title or whatever, right? And potentially it can go multiple different directions, but to some degree, you got to pick one and be really successful in one before you try to be really successful in like a hundred of them at one time. And, you know, frankly, at Netro, we have some of these challenges, right? Like we have a lot of big enterprise clients and we already have a roadmap. Like we know we all, we want to do all these things for the next two years or whatever. And then some new big client comes by and they throw $200,000 at us and they're like, we need you to do X, Y, and Z. And we're like, okay, shit, what do we do now? Throw away our entire roadmap and go do that thing? Like, it's hard. It's a, it's a hard decision, right? Now, it's easier when you're a really early stage startup because you're like, uh, I have zero revenue. So that 200000 sounds phenomenal. Let's go do that. But even as you get to be a bigger company, it's a distraction. It kills your ability to get to the market you want to get to and serve the type of customers you want Maybe Netro would be this wildly successful company if we focused on one thing and we we're really good at it. But if we keep getting pulled around and doing all these other things, we never get there. So I, I think it's more dangerous and difficult and distracting when you're an early stage company rather than the like I want to challenge the the approach there a little bit because um, we've talked a lot about like that entrepreneurial ADD. Mm -hmm. And like, so certain things is I think when you start establishing who your target users are, if you're iffy about that, um, you can like, the thing is, is not all opportunities are worth chasing, you know? So like, depending on like, you know, the, the kind of the why and the how of the, the opportunity, um, you could derail yourself mm -hmm. by going and chasing certain things. And in the earliest stages, that can have a, a definitive, uh, it, it could really define what your company becomes or doesn't become because one shiny thing got you distracted and took you down. And, and one of the things too, so I went through this with with Gigabook early, uh, we were building our platform, we were building it to be customizable. And we had a, a very large online clothier, like, and I won't say exactly who, but it was one of those things that like, sends you clothes every month, you pick out what you want to keep. And like, you have like a stylist that like talks to you, and they wanted to integrate our stuff in there. Um, and we got way off track, we spent like three months messing around with this whole thing. And it didn't end up becoming business And it honestly, and I've talked about this in past shows, it just really felt like we got used for a science experiment. And I learned, I learned at that point, I made a rule going forward that we would never ever again develop anything, just so someone could try it. Yep. Right. So like, and, and now past that, we've also used Gigabook and have made 
custom platforms with it and done really well with it, but we made sure we got paid to build it along the way. Well, Not like, hey, we're going to build it and then hope that you're going to buy it. I learned a tough lesson on that. Looking back at it, it was just naive. Ni well, and here's, but and, and here's a perfect example that weaves into what you just described, right? So go back to where you were before you started doing this for the, the clothes trying on service. If you're sitting there thinking, you know what? I think escape rooms is going to be this massive market and opportunity. That's really what we should focus on. But then you spend three months screwing around with this other shit and you totally missed your opportunity. Yep. Like you totally yep. screwed it and, up. Right. Like and that's I talked what about, happens, I talked right? about that too. Like that was part yeah. that was actually right around the same time. Yeah. And that was the thing is like, how do we, ch now that would have been worthwhile of chasing, but had we done that, my point with this, with the target users is that would have very like, that would have probably turned us into being an escape room booking platform. Yeah. Cause that's cause we had a small team. We had, I want to say somewhat limited resources cause it was my bank account. I wasn't just throwing, you know, tons of money at it. Now, would that have been bad? Um, probably not, but we also might've failed doing that. I don't know. You can always fail doing other things, but at least at that point in the context of what we're discussing here, we would have identified target users. And honestly, the specificity of that, would have made it so much easier to build the tech for it's way easier to build tech for a specific purpose than generalized. Right. And the key is, is you got to figure out how to scale it. Right. So it's not yep. about just the one customer. When you're building a SaaS based product, you want to sign up hundreds and thousands of customers and you don't want every one of them to be like a special snowflake. You want it to be scalable. Right. So you sign up the first one. And the next hundred can sign up and the product does exactly what it needs to do. And you don't have to make a bunch of customizations. It doesn't require a bunch of special customer service and all that stuff, right? It's scalable. And, and that's the key. And, and you've got to pick an audience and kind of double down on it. But the other side of this comes down to sales and marketing, right? It's knowing what audience are you really marketing to and doing sales to. And you told me this week, I think, didn't you say that, you know, obviously full scale helps people develop software development teams. But didn't you tell me this week you found we have 87,000 companies you've identified that are hiring software developers? That have, ha, that we have found a job post for because right. we've been tracking that for, uh, uh, and that's over uh, that's uh, over 18 months. So, so with that, so it's like, who do, you who do you call? Yeah. Who do you call? Yeah. If, if, yeah. if I yeah. have a salesperson and I say, go call 10 people, who do you call? There's too many. You can't call yep. 87,000 of them. You got to figure out which ones are the you most important. You can't email all of them. Well, there's no, another no. side of it too. So let's take that 87,000 list and say that we're only right about one-tenth of a percent. Right. That would be 80. I, can't, I mean, hey, we want to, I can't take 87 new clients starting now at full scale because based on the average number of team members they start with, that would instantly double the size of the company. And the problem is, is people aren't scalable like software. Now with yeah. a tech company, that might be a very welcome thing. Sure. Like if we were selling Stackify or Gigabook or anything else, we'd be like, woohoo, how do we do it again? You know, like, but, but depending on what you're selling, that might not even be a possibility. So part of like what you mentioned, we've talked about this same subject as well. I used it like we talked, we were kind of comparing with Gigabook and I was like, man, anyone can use this. And when I sat down to try to market it, I was like, oh shit, anybody could use this.
because it's like and, who are you, who are you speaking to? And well, it's another example of this is let's say you want to advertise on on Google pay per click, right? If you if you want to advertise for you know appointment scheduling, like those keywords are probably really expensive, right? But they if are. you want to do appointment scheduling for uh, magicians and kids' birthday parties, like oh that the pay per click on that is low, right? Like the more you can dial in your audience, um, the lower your cost of marketing will be too. You want to talk about Batman, don't you? <laughs> no, we won't go there. I'm going to because I'm gonna just I'm. I had a birthday party for one of our kids oh, five years good. ago. This is good. And my wife hired a Batman actor to come over. Um, and the dude showed uh, the dude showed up and it was the worst Batman that we'd ever had. And then we realized <laughs> that his intent was to be in our house for an hour with a bunch of children. And we made the best of it. We've got a lot of, we should maybe post some of those pictures, uh, show you how not to do it. You yeah. paid him to leave. So if there had... It, I, we did. I kicked him out after like 20 minutes. Do you and he had no car. He had been dropped off and his phone was dead. <laughs> so we actually had to help him charge his phone so he could call someone to have him come pick him back up. Sorry, you mentioned like the booking for, we would have, my point was we would have been better had, to have booked a, a magician <laughs> to come and do that. So it was yeah, a magical fun, time. Funny I will story. never forget. Hey, we made a good, we had a good time with it because we made everyone get their picture taken with the worst <laughs> Batman. The ears were bent. Like, yeah. I was like, what, who are you? Like, are you drunken Batman? I don't know, but poor guy. He's just trying to make a living. He had not, he had not identified the right target users. No. That way. So, okay. So, you know, all right. So we talked about the, 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 who we're trying to reach now with that sometimes. Okay. So. You, you you get these big segments of users and under under which some have personas mm -hmm. how do you like tell everyone when like what a, what's a buyer persona well so at stackify we would look at say a software developer or is it somebody who works in the you know IT department that work more on the operations side or is it a manager is it like an executive you know, these are all kinds of different personas and how you market to them is different, right? Like we're more likely to be able to market to say an executive totally different than we would market to say a developer, right? Like developers don't answer the phone. They probably don't use LinkedIn as much, stuff like that, right? Or an executive, it may be easier to get them on the phone, maybe easier to get to them on LinkedIn or different, you know, different um, marketing channels. So, but that's important because in the end, as a salesperson, the closer you get to those that make the bot, the, the deciders, the better off you are. So Absolutely. still using real life examples. So at full scale, the people that reach out to us are founders, CTOs, and that's like the overwhelming, sometimes a COO like an operations person, but it is overwhelmingly like a CTO or a founder. So when, when we, so if I need to create like a target user or target audience, I may now in terms of marketing, I may narrow this down and you can be hyper-specific on places like LinkedIn. I can 
advertise, I can only show ads to people that have specific job titles with in specific locations, specific industries, specific company sizes. Like you can get real exact. Now, one of the things that I think people make a mistake is, is with is they look at the cost of what those ads are to deploy. And they're like, oh my God, that's like $100 per thousand impressions. Well, you'll find you'll probably get more results out of that than the overly broad. So like, it's for the example, sniper I use rifle. That, it's like you got the sniper well, rifle to the exact people you need. Yes. And that, the, so that's the thing is like, so, so some of it is if you can be that hyper-targeted, you're in a great spot. It, the ads are going to feel more expensive to, to deploy, but you're also not wasting it. You're not showing it, your ads and your impressions and your approach to a bunch of people that are going to either waste your time. Cause that's yeah. another thing too, is like you can fill up your sales pipeline with garbage and are you going to spend more money? And you will either dealing with all those people that aren't going to buy, aren't your target user or whatever. So like we going back to full scale and today's episode of startup hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io. Once again, we help you build teams of software professionals. So there are certain people that if they reach out, like if, and if you're a cashier at McDonald's, you're not a good lead for us. You're pro- <laughs> unless you, you're, you're not, cause you're not going to make a buying decision on behalf of that company right? That's not what we're looking for. Maybe you're a founder with a great idea. Guess what? You're still not a good lead because we need you to be a little further down the road. So there are things that you can also do to, you know, like I said, to hyper target this stuff, but really begin to think about. So like you mentioned with Stackify, that has, there are multiple personas that could be users, but only some of which are likely to be buyers. Right. And so- Is that fair? Yep, and there is a name for this that ever anybody listening needs to know. Okay, so the name for all of this is called firmographic data. Data. So you have demographic and firmographics. Okay. Wow. Did you know that? Did you? Know how that? do you sp- no? How do you spell that? Uh, F I R M O graphics. And so that's where you can filter by things like how long have they been in business, how many employees do they have, how many locations do they have. How much revenue do they have? You know, is it a publicly traded company, a privately traded company, their market size, or the industry leader? Is it B2B? Is it B2C? You know, what industry are they in? Like all these different things, right? This is the firmographic data that helps you narrow down to say, look, we only want to focus on software companies that do B2B software and they have 50 employees and they have more than $5 million a year in revenue. And I want only the CTOs at that company. Boom, 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 boom. Here's your list. Firmographic data is types of information that can be used to categorize organizations such as geographic area, number of clients, type of organization, industry, technologies used, and so on. Which, well, so I have really been, I've spent the last year uh, obsessing over firmographic data for full scale without knowing what I was actually focused on. So thank you for clarifying that. You should listen you know, to Matt, the Startup Hustle podcast. I, I guess I should. I, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you, never, you never cease to amaze me. So in this, so as, you, as your business grows, this is some, the identification of your target user and, and the development of your firmographic grasp needs to evolve. 
Okay. And this is important. So like we often share our real life experiences on the show and hopefully they're useful, especially when we don't get it right. But so full scale is three and a half years old and we now have 225 employees. We've grown pretty quickly, but so much of that has helped us understand which accounts and what type of companies benefit the most from our services. And you know, I'm a benefits based seller because that's what people buy. So the thing is, is, is we have tried all different kinds of accounts and all different kinds of clients. And really in the end, what we, what we're trying to do is build teams that stay with that company and stay a team for the longest amount of time. Why? Cause it's a triple win. It's a win for us. It's a win for our employees and it's a win for the company we're doing business with. So based on that, we have evolved away from doing super short-term projects. We don't do part-time stuff and different things that just weren't a good fit for us. We figured out what, what works, what's stable, what is the easiest to deploy and the lowest maintenance, and that triple win. And, I'm a, and you know, if you talk to me, I love the triple win because for mm-hmm. us, it's about people. It's about pe- it's not just about software. It's also about people. So if people in any part of that process are unhappy, it all falls apart. One of the so, hardest so, one of the hardest yeah. things to do is to learn to say no, right? Yep. Or next, next. Yeah, no and next. Uh, now that said, there's nothing better. There's no better word that you can learn as a business owner than no. <laughs> like, yeah, it's for so many things. Because if you suck at saying no. You, you're going to have a lot of problems. So if I call you you up tomorrow and tell you that I need to hire 10 COBOL developers, what are you going to say? I'm going to tell you no. And, and I'm, and the reason is, well, A, I don't employ them and B, I can't sustainably keep that. Yeah. A winning team for you. Well, that's part of like, I mean, honestly, that's like, so we don't, we don't do Salesforce development at full scale and it's not because we're not willing to. It's because where our office is and where our business set up, I don't have a talent pool. Yeah. I can find like five And there's people. not a steady number of customers that want it, right? It's also about well, the demand. Yeah. Yeah. And some of it's also, yeah. And so the thing is, is like, you know, we've got, we've really narrowed down some of the scope of what we do because what happens is like in our case, we'll end up with like three people that will just be sitting on the bench, not doing anything. We're paying them to not work. They're not generating revenue. And then we begin to feel like we're beholden to making very specific efforts to find one client rather than other efforts that could yield clients in batches. Yep. Right. So that's focusing on what we can, what, what our strengths are. And, and now here's the thing. So you kind of shed these things over time and it's kind of like throwing it off the side of the boat or shoving it out the side of the airplane. So you have enough, so you're not carrying extra weight and doing other stuff. Now, I think that's the, the key evolutionary element of, of a business before it really takes off. Like, so Venn Solutions. And for those of you that don't know, that was Matt's first company sold for about 150 million bucks. Okay. So something went right there, but at some point you guys like, can we talk about that for a second? Cause I feel like you probably really focused in on that. And then it just went gangbusters. Well, we, we knew exactly who our target customer was, right? It was automotive car dealers that were franchise dealers, right? So not little independent dealers that had three cars 
it was a big franchise dealers in major cities. It wasn't even franchise de dealers in rural markets, right? Little The little Ford dealer in a rural market doesn't really care much about their website and their internet business and how they market online, right? Like they're only Ford dealer in a hundred miles. Like they don't care, right? So we knew exactly who our market was and it was like, say 10,000 car dealers. So if you hire 50 salespeople, you've only got 10,000 to call. You just keep calling the same 10,000, right? You have very defined market. And then for a while, we can only support certain types of car dealers, right? It's like, oh, we do really, really good with Ford dealers. Just call the Ford dealers, right? And then, oh, now our software is certified for Honda. Okay, blitz all the Honda dealers, right? Like, And we could geographically blitz them. We would call city by city, like region by region, and blitz blitz the regions, right? And it was all about having a focused audience in our marketing and our sales efforts. There, were, there was something else in that story that I've heard you tell over the years that gained, that had a strong understanding and empathy with a buyer persona, though, because at one point, your competitor, that was, this was a while ago, this was before you guys were on the cusp of the cloud. And uh, one of your competitors had a had required like some pretty extensive investment in local servers. And, right. and yeah, so, so here's the thing is understanding that buyer persona, because realistically in the end, it's the owner of the dealership that need that, it, or someone there that's making that decision. So through understanding the buyer persona and going, we have a specific advantage. And that starts with the fact that you're not going to have to spend $50,000 on equipment that you are not able to maintain or deal with without hiring someone just to do that. Yeah. So, so that's, but that's a, that is a masterful, a masterful grasp on your strengths, the benefits for the buyer, and then also understanding the persona. Cause if, when you, you knew at some point you guys sat around and said, I mean, think about it. Like, why would you pick the one that required that disgusting amount of investment as opposed yep. to the other one? So and that's understanding your buyer. And so a great example of this is actually thinking about their budget, right? So no matter yeah. what your product is, think about who your target audience is and what they can afford and what their budget would be. So if somebody called full scale and said, hey, we have this like most complicated ever content management system that can do all these whiz bang features and it's $50,000, we'd be like, hey, nope, we're going to keep WordPress. We're good, right? But if you call some big hospital or whatever, they may be like, oh yeah, that's exactly what we need. And yeah, sure, we'll spend that much money. We don't care, whatever. And it, it's knowing who, who the buyer is, right? And, and how much money they will spend because why waste your time with a market that's not, can't afford your product? Yeah, and that's, and another thing too is, uh, you know, one, one thing I've learned with, with when you get to the actual buyer is that oftentimes the worst buyer persona are the people that are shopping for the cheapest. Yes. You know, like they're yep. like, hey, I got to have the, the it, it's all about price. And, you know, the thing is, is price is relative, man. Like, and Matt, you know this as well. Like, well, that's why we specialize in senior talent and, and experienced people at full scale. Like we hire one out of 40 applicants, man. Like, and that's because we, we specialize in expertise. So sometimes... I get on the phone because I talk to a lot of our, most of our clients before they become clients because I want to make sure it's a good fit. And 
because we're doing business with people for years upon end. And mm -hmm. so when I hear certain objections to that, I'm like, okay, this, 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 what about quality? Now, the thing that I've learned is that the best clients that we have, they only want that. They don't, yep. they're not, they're not at all phased by the pricing. And so like some, and sometimes the lawyers say, say you're got, you're, you're more expensive than these other people. Tell me why. Well, it's a quality thing. You know, like we have stricter hiring standards. We don't hire as many people like we go through, you know, so what are you paying for? But that's part of I, I understanding that target user and like who's willing to do that. So what I found is that like for people that don't have a business at all and they want to literally start a tech company from day one, they're going to make the same mistake I made 13 years ago and be obsessed with the least expensive people that they can find. And that's why we have to do episodes about how to not create technical debt and stuff like yeah. that. Cause you, you know, so understand the persona. So yeah, now, now Matt, we talk about identifying the target users. I think we should talk a little bit. Okay. So once we identify it, like we did allude to this a little earlier, like how do you deploy it? Well, obviously targeted marketing is key. And then also like, I think you got to, like we mentioned having a list of 87,000 companies that we've seen post a job ad related to something that we sell at full scale, but you got to begin to then really refine it and figure out like, okay, so of 87, a list of 87,000, there's a way to determine who is possibly the top priority there um, and begin to dissect that and move forward. Like you use, you use a, a strong definition of your target user to do exactly that. Target the user. What have been some of your favorite ways to do that? So at Stackify, we used to get pretty sciencey about the firmer graphics, right? So we knew that we were most successful with people that had more than. You're just showing that word off now, by the way. We 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 knew we we were we did uh, the best with companies <laughs> that had more than 200 employees and the type of industry they were in and all that kind of stuff. All right, but so let's talk about how you can actually use this though. And I know lately you love HubSpot. You're all about HubSpot. Did you know you can do all of this in HubSpot? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they've so got a HubSpot, database built in. It's part of what I yeah. like about it. Yep. But it you can do more. So HubSpot has some of this information in it, but you can actually connect it to third-party services that will give you even more data. Um, for example, Clearbit is one of them. So you can actually hook it up to Clearbit. And then when you get somebody's email address, then based on your email address, it'll go out and it'll figure out, oh, here's their job title and how long they've worked there and blah, 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 blah. And so then you're like, oh, okay, well, this person that came in, now I know their job title. I, you know, now I can change the lead scoring of them. Or if I've got 87,000, I can filter it down to just the CTOs or whatever. Um, so depending on the type of tools that you're using, you can clean the data and append the data and get, get more data so you can then hone in, uh, better and better filtering. And in some cases you don't even need the data. Like you can still like the mod. So remember LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, mm -hmm. all of them are built to help. Like those are marketing businesses. Yep. Those are advertising platforms. They aren't social media. They are advertising platforms that they exist to sell advertising. That's how they create revenue. That's how they make money. So they pay the bills and that's how they get mega valuations. So in order to do that, they have to figure out how to help you be effective. Now, so some of that, like you, and it's good to have the data if you want to like 
for actual contacts, good luck getting people to pick up telephones because that yeah. I have given up on. I mean, I really have. I've given up on the concept that that just cold calling is dead. <laughs> can you, I mean, can you imagine? Our, yeah. Can you imagine doing direct mail these days? Yeah. Like and everybody works remote. Everybody works remote. Where the fuck so, yeah, do I send it? I'm yeah. going to mail yeah. all the CTOs in the yeah. country. You know how many of them are going to get that piece of mail? Yeah. None. Right. <laughs> right. And Unless then you can how find many are going to pay address. attention to it? Dude, every time I get my mail, I just literally like stand. I, I walk right. I, I sometimes don't even make it out of my garage like back up the driveway oh, without yeah. throwing 90% oh, yeah. of it away. I'm like, Absolutely. I look like I'm making it rain into the trash can with junk mail. So yeah, direct mail is, has had to have been killed by the, the pandemic because nobody's in an office to mail to them. So the, the thing, part of it is like, is the deployment of it and how you're going to utilize it. And then, so, all right. So we're talking about how you target it. Matt, I like a multi-pronged approach. I like the ability. So there's a few things uh, that, well, first off, you can do targeted digital advertising. Now, if you sell B2B products, uh, LinkedIn's a great place for that. Honestly, it's expensive, but highly targeted, man. Yep. Like I can literally, like I said, I can, I, well, I created, okay. So I created an advertising campaign uh, just the other day that said hire software engineers. That was it. Three words on, an, on a nice little image. And I showed it only to U.S.-based chief technology officers or chief information officers, kind of the same thing in some organizations, only in the computer software industry, which is uh, LinkedIn's version of that, and then to companies that had in between 11 and 50 employees. Because that's our, that's, that's our, that is our target place now i got that down to that was only like nine thousand people okay right now that said those ads linkedin was suggesting that i spend anywhere between 75 and 150 dollars per thousand impressions it's not that bad because it's only nine thousand people right that are literally one and then some of it you can even like you i okay i didn't make it this specific but i could even make i could have even trimmed it down to people that said current job title of right and that might have went down now i didn't do that because someone that may have been a past cto may have actually evolved into a different role they're still the target viewer but that said i don't mind paying more for that now the funny thing is that i ran that and uh, uh, LinkedIn has a hard time even selling me over a thousand impressions a day. Yep. Because that even with that audience of nine thousand, now you need them to actually be in there and using the platform right. or looking. So, but the thing is, is so while that will feel expensive, it's not. What's expensive is doing it on Facebook. <laughs> which isn't made for that where people don't always say what their job title is. No, and I don't. can't, I can't, I can't do company size. I can't do a whole lot of other things. And now it only feels like $10 per thousand impressions, but it's like flapping in the wind showing to a bunch of people that who knows. Yeah, Link- LinkedIn so. seems expensive, but probably for a few hundred dollars a month, you can target the exact audience that you need. And yeah. Yeah. Now, LinkedIn on the flip side is a terrible place to promote this podcast because <laughs> there are so many types of listeners, so many different job titles, all of it. 
it's a little expensive. So if you're listening to this, you probably saw an ad on Facebook and you probably use Apple. And I'll tell you why. Because if I advertise to people that aren't using Apple, where do you listen to a podcast? Do I, do I point you at Spotify? Do I point you somewhere else? So that's another thing, another variable you may have to consider with what with the targeting is all the way down to things like device. Mm-hmm. Where are they buying? Where do they look at it? So the thing is, is and this is a problem, you got to think about this. So if you click that ad and you're not, on, if you click it and you're on Apple, it opens the podcast app right up. If you, if I don't show it to people that are on Apple, then it's like Facebook's like literally you're leaving Facebook. That's probably the worst decision you'll ever make. Are you sure you want to do it? And you lead people to something that they may have. So I I click YouTube links all the time and then it opens up a thing in Facebook. I'm not signed in on YouTube. I'm seeing an ad. I'm seeing something else. Like, Like you also have to think about how do you get, you want to remove any and all obstacles on the way to the cash register. So yeah. thin it down even more. Anyway, this, the more precise, the more exact, the better off you are. And the thing is, is, is you also put less weight on the strain. So let's flip this around the other way and look at like a, a job ad. So like when I'm recruiting developers, I, LinkedIn's great because if I have to run an ad on Facebook, I get... I can get a bunch of applicants that don't even stand a chance, right? Like I'm looking for experienced people, not just people. Yeah. And so some of that, the problem is, is, is you could weight down your process by having more, you know, like, like if you look at a whole, are all those people that are in the Apple store every day, all day, are they actually buying shit there? Are they just there doing something else? You know, so like you look at that, it's like the same thing. How do you pick the buyers out of the crowd and how do you be precise? It might look a little less entertaining. You might be like, hey, I didn't get as many signups or as many registrants. Yeah, well, what'd you sell? What'd you sell? So, well, another another big tip I can give you is anytime you're doing any kind of advertising, you got to really focus on what geography that you're targeting. Oh, yeah. And if you're thinking about going worldwide, don't do it. You need to pick specific countries. And Stackify was an international business. Uh, You know, we have customers in 60 countries, but like 90% of it came from like 10 to 15 countries. And if you looked at our website traffic, we got as much website traffic from India as we did from the United States, but hardly ever sold anything to India. And so we never, ever would have spent a dime advertising to people in India. And so depending on what you're selling, you've got to really stay focused on the geography. And if you're, if you're going international, what countries you're, you're targeting. Well, and, and part of it too, is what, and so so we ran into the same thing at full scale because some countries like for example, for Canada, um, there's some currency exchange things that begin to reduce the value. And then Mm -hmm. also, like you mentioned, like, some of these countries where, you know, I mean, you might, your product might seem just ridiculously overpriced, you know, oh, like, sure, yeah. well, I mean, what, what, one of the reasons that there are so many open source software developers in places like India and the Philippines is because they didn't have to buy licenses to learn how to do that stuff when they were younger. So they learned how to do open source stuff, but it's a, it's a good example of what steered 
you know, people to do certain things and buy certain stuff. But really in the end, everything about the target user is also about considering who makes buying decisions, how you're going to get in front of them and how you're going to keep them entertained. Uh, Nothing about having an amazing uh, identification of your target users uh, matters if you are terrible at defining your value proposition though. So while you do that, you got to understand that. And that's part of the persona thing. Like we were talking about with your past history with Vin Solutions. Like, I mean, if your salespeople weren't all over the fact that like, Hey, uh, the, uh, we don't, we don't require massive investment in servers mm-hmm. just to yep. try us out. Like, dude, that, I mean, that's, that's what I would have heard first off and foremost, that could have, in fact, maybe been the only thing you needed to say to me if I was a car lot owner. Cause I, I sure I'm going to try the one out that doesn't require me to write like a five figure check. Yep. You know? So, I mean, some of that is understanding what you're at. So do you understand your actual like benefits? Uh, by the way, I noticed someone in the startup hustle Facebook chat had posted something the other day and uh, they shared their website and they tagged me and they said, Hey, Hey, Matt, uh, DeCourcy noticed that uh, my website is showing the features, advantages and benefits. And I went click the site and it went there and that's it. So like when you, you remember, regardless of how precise your firmographic stuff mm-hmm. is, I'm going to use that word like all weekend to the point that there you go. like hates me. Um, but, but one of the things is that is all a waste if wherever you land people sucks, yep. you still have to, you still have to have to, like, what are the features of what you do? What are the advantages uh, compared to your competition? And what, and then the main thing is people buy things because of the benefits, you know, and, and that could, Hey, it's better, faster, or cheaper. Uh, you know, and I've mentioned this before, like we went from trying to sell gigabook as like, Hey, this increases business efficiency to like, Hey, there's a little more peace of mind. Let the, you know, like that's a benefit. Like don't, you won't have to stay up all night replying to text messages and stupid emails of when you're available and why you're not available and doing a lot of that. And that's, you know, the, the peace of mind thing is, is an example of benefit-based selling. So focus on what that is and couple that with the buyer personas and the targeted users. So like in Stackify's case, it was still a peace of mind issue, right? It was like, yeah. Have the peace of mind of knowing that there's something working in the background here that's going to tell you about the stuff that's broken that you don't even know about. Because as a tech company, that's the stuff that that will give you the the loudest face palm slap ever is when a user is like, hey, so you know something important is broken. And then you sit there and you go, oh, wow, how long have I not known about this? Yep. But that's peace of yep. mind. So peace of mind's a, a great example of, of a benefit that is not tangible. You can't put it in a spreadsheet. Well, and a lot of companies will pay a lot of money just to reduce risk, right? You know, um, comes down to- Or compli- embarrassment. Yep. Yeah. Compliance and risk. And, you know, at Netra, we do that. We buy things. So it's like, well, we have to be worried about different compliance stuff. And, and we buy these tools to help us prevent problems that- Probably will never happen, but they're like an insurance policy to make sure it can't happen. You know, at least there's a 90% less chance it's going to happen because we're doing these things. And we spend a lot of money on this stuff and a lot of time on it. And it's all just reduced risk. 
And that's hedging though. I mean, yeah. you just described hedging. I mean, that's what it is. All right. So once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. Talked a lot about Fullscale today, so don't feel like I need to get too in-depth with that ad. Um, you know, once again, we're, we're recording this on the day that we got our two millionth download. And thank you to so many of you that have taken the time. We're very aware that you can choose to spend your time, energy, and focus doing anything other than paying attention to what we're doing. So thank you. We do appreciate that. I know Lauren and Andrew do. Check out our two millionth ep uh, download episode where we talk about some of that stuff um, and just some of some of the 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 ups and downs of what it took to get to that. Um, you know, Matt, as as we do a quick founders freestyle on the way out, I mean, what what's your what's your uh, what's your biggest takeaway from today, or what's your best advice? The biggest thing is figuring out who your audience is and what you want your product to do. Right, so many people struggle with product market fit and defining like who their exact market is, and my product can serve them, and a lot of times it's because they just don't say no. They, they keep doing all these things for all these random people instead of saying, no, this is what we want to do. An example of this would be like Instagram or Twitter, right? They're really simple. They don't do anything else. They didn't like grow to be a competitor to Facebook. They're like, nope, it's a tweet and it's 140 characters and that's it. That's all we do. Nope. The answer is no to everything else, right? And it's really hard to do that. And most people don't. And sometimes that's the reason they don't succeed. Um, so you just always have to keep in mind, like, where are you really trying to go and how confident in that are you? And are you getting distracted? And is that preventing you from where you want to go? I, I think rather than a recap, I'm going to instead challenge people to be very, very critical in your definite in your process and ability to define who your target user is and when i say that meaning like always challenge it always look at it don't just assume that you know the target user like look at the data look at the facts like at full scale that's exactly what we did we look at the accounts that have stuck the longest that have the biggest teams and that on top of that also have the happiest teams, meaning like a, a high level of stability. And that is a little different than who we originally assumed our buyers might be. And if we hadn't really challenged that notion and looked into the, into the depth and maybe the complexity of that and challenged ourselves against like, Hey, are these other things really worth it? Like, that has to evolve and change over time. So I want to challenge you to not just settle in to like, I mean, I think the mistake that if you start, if you start hearing things said in your business, like, well, that's always the way we've done it. Um, that's always, that's always been our target. Like, I mean, so theoretically, if your target user is 25 years old, five years later, is that a, now a 30 year old or is it still 25 year olds? Like you got to, you have to continue to evolve your definition of a buyer, the persona and all of it. And it, there, I just think you've also just never been in a time where it's easier to be precise. Yep. So, all right, I'm going to go, uh, see how many times I can use the word firmographic in front of my family because <laughs> I want to feel smart. So I'll see you next week. See ya.
Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.